When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our post-game podcast, the Browns Losers to the Steelers 38-7. First, I want to tell you guys about Football Insider, because as you'll hear, this podcast involved uh, a number of our football insiders. We do a post-game Zoom for our podcast after every single Browns game. Uh, You get to jump in the Zoom, ask your questions, listen in as we record the pod. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's for our Football Insider subscribers who also have access to our text subscription service. So if you want to get involved, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page. You get access to our Football Insider exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. The text subscription, of course, is a part of it as well. You get a daily newsletter with exclusive content that does not go anywhere on the website. Check it out, cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Here's our post-game podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to our Orange and Brown Talk post-game podcast. I'm Dan Lobby and I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing okay, Dan. That was uh, (laughs) not what we were expecting, but uh, I I know the fans are probably upset about this one. It it was definitely not what we were expecting. And and I know that, um, you know, even I I think most people that maybe thought they would lose this game thought it would be a little bit closer, a little more competitive than this, even if you know, you thought they would lose by a couple scores, but um, I, I guess just starting here, the Browns 38 to seven losers uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. And, and I guess to me, the thing that just stands out is, I mean, the Steelers dominated this game from start to finish. And, and they're really, I'm trying to figure it out if there was any area that we can point to and say the, the Browns were better. And I just don't think there was one. No, not at all. Um, the Steelers did, had a great game plan to really take out the Browns best players. So they took away Miles Garrett and they really neutralized him by doing a number of different things. He tried to move around uh, and get freed up, but that didn't work. Uh, Baker Mayfield, they, they swarmed him. They attacked him. Uh, they, they just crushed him and pressured him and blitzed him into mistakes. And of course, you know, he just can't be throwing those interceptions. Now, He's not using the ribs as an excuse. Uh, he, he refuses to do that. Obviously, he got benched in this game. I do actually think it sets up uh, a decision. Now, I asked Kevin Stefanski afterwards, will he start in Cincinnati next week? He said, yes, he will. Uh, and that, that's but, but he did throw in that big caveat, if he's healthy. If he's healthy, exactly. That leaves them a little bit of an out. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm sure that uh, – I'm sure there was frustration. We saw Odell throw his helmet, throw his shoe, you know, throw his shoes off, rip his shoes off, finish the game in his stocking feet. I mean, this is a, a roster that uh, full of players that wanted to come in here and show the Pittsburgh Steelers that they can hang with them. And I think there's a lot of frustration walking out of here today that that it looked so bad in so many phases. Yeah, I mean, th- this is one of those games where. Like you almost wish you, you could have been in the locker room afterwards to, mm-hmm. to kind of get a feel for, you know, what was going on. I mean, we've been in so many locker rooms after games like this before, but this one in particular, like you said, um, was really supposed to be, you know, almost the Browns coming out party in, in a way. But l- let's go back to Baker. Um, let's play that hindsight game. Right. Did, did the Browns make a mistake by putting Baker out there today? Or is that just what you do? If he's your franchise quarterback and he's able to go, you put him out there. You know what? If, if he clears the medicals and they say that he's okay to play and he reports that he's okay to play, then I think you have to start him in this game. But I was ready to bench him after the second pick. I, think it, I thought it was obvious that he was off. Now, he did go redeem himself uh, with that one touchdown pass to Richard Higgins a little bit. But I would have benched him after that. He didn't have it today. Everybody else around him was getting frustrated. You saw Odell had two catches for 25 yards. So they shut down Odell. They took out Odell and they took out Miles. And they were like, you know, we got to take out Kareem, 
Odell, Miles, and they kind of like forgot about everybody. They just said, this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take away uh, their big guys. And, uh, you know, they tried to force Baker to throw the football and, you know, Kareem Hunt was limited to 40 yards. This is a darn good run defense. What we didn't know, what we didn't know about the Steelers was they were three, their opponents combined record was three 15 and one. So we weren't sure, Dan, we got fooled by this last year. <laughs> we, we did. By the, when the 49ers hadn't beaten anybody yet. So I, I really kind of thought that Miles was going to come out in this game. And I thought the defensive line could find some weaknesses and some holes and kind of help wreck the game a little bit. But it's Ben Roethlisberger. I've been watching this now for, I don't even know how many years now. Um, but <laughs> 2004, right? Like it's been like my whole career. It hasn't been, but it feels like that. And uh, I, you know, I've just been watching him do this over and over and over again. And you know, now he's 23, two and one against the Browns. I think this was demoralizing. Now they've got two blowout losses against the two best teams in the AFC North, and I do think that that is a concern. Right. I, I think this, I mean, look, this game matters, you know, and, and what I wrote after the game was, uh, you know, that this wasn't some sort of death knell on the season. Like we've seen before, this team is still four and two. There's still opportunity there for them. You should still expect this team to get one of those seven playoff spots if they bounce back like they did against Baltimore or after Baltimore. Um, but that said, you've got that loss to Baltimore. Now, now there were some built-in excuses and I know the Browns aren't going to use them, but there were this game. I, I don't know. There weren't really many built-in excuses. I understand Baker was banged up and I understand you, you were shorthanded and had injuries, but you know, look, David DeCastro wasn't out there for the Steelers, just mm-hmm. for example. I mean, every team is banged up and, and hurt. Um, it's just the way this game played out, you know, the fact that it was just, I mean, it was over by the second quarter. And once the Browns weren't able to turn that end of possession drive after they got the ball back with, I forget how many seconds were on the clock. Um, once the Browns weren't able to turn that into points, it's like, okay, we're, the, we're kind of just going to play out that, the rest of this game in the second half. It was pretty clear. And then, you know, Joel Batonio said, I think the Browns ran eight plays in the third quarter. Um, I mean, the Steelers just kind of took control and, and drove the thing home. Yeah. You know what? It, it's just, they were, they were at home where they never look, they never lose to the Browns here. It hasn't happened since 2003. I think they had a lot to prove. I think they had a lot to play for. I think they have a lot of pride. They're well coached. And when I look at this game, uh, I, it makes me wonder, can the Browns beat this Steelers team? This is a really good Steelers football team with Ben Roethlisberger back. It, you know, you could see last year that they had talent on this team. Uh, they've got always have a lot of defensive talent and they still do. And to be able to, to shut down the run like that. And I mean, it just kind of wrecked everything for, for the Browns offense. Uh, and also to be able to take advantage a little bit on, along the offensive line and win that game in the trenches. I really thought the Browns defensive line was going to come up big and play well in this game. I thought miles was going to be out of his mind and make another one of those game changing plays. I really thought, uh, that that the D line of the Cleveland Browns was going to step up and maybe rattle Ben a little bit, maybe force him into a few mistakes. But this is a tough, tough Steelers team. And now, I mean, it it is game on if the Browns want to try to get uh, one of those playoff spots because the Ravens won, the Steelers are undefeated at five and zero, and and it, it's it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, you know, you got the Titans now are 5-0. and I'm looking to see what happened with the Colts today. I know they were losing. They ended up winning, so they're a point two. You know, the Browns are just sort of – and this isn't a bad thing, but the Browns are going to find themselves, I think, a lot of this season sort of in that kind of mucky middle of, of the AFC where you're fighting and clawing for those playoff spots. And, again, you know, I think this team is going to make the playoffs. I don't think this game changes that, but I also think – it is discouraging the way that Pittsburgh basically attacked all of their strengths and exploited mm-hmm. all of their strengths. Um, I, I do want to ask you with Baker's performance, um, how much of it do you believe was injury? How much do you believe was the offensive line and the Steelers pass rush? And how much do you believe was just Baker not playing well? Well, I, th- I think Baker's not playing well right now. I think that we saw that last week 
in the second half of the Colts game. And I think it carried over into this game. I'm sure that the ribs had something to do with it, but he started out poorly in this game. And there were protection issues, obviously. Uh, Their defensive line, uh, the Browns' offensive line was overmatched. So it was a combination of Kevin Stefanski put it all on himself, his play calling and whatnot. But Baker still can't throw those picks. You can overcome a lot of things, but you really can't overcome a pick six. Now he's 0-4 in games in which he throws a pick six. It's hard to overcome a pick six, and it's hard to overcome a second interception in a game. You lose the turnover battle, you're losing the football game, okay? Almost all the time, that's how it goes. So this wasn't a game where they were able to, to dig the ball away from James Conner and to get Ben Roethlisberger to throw interceptions. This was a good football team, and you can't make mistakes against a good football team. He's making too many mistakes. I don't think you can use the ribs as an excuse for not seeing Minka Fitzpatrick on, you know, coming there on the, on the high-low safety play. I don't think that you can necessarily – I mean, he scrambled around. That was a desperation heave, uh, that second interception. Okay. Uh, And and I I don't think that you can blame that on the ribs either. I think he's got to make better decisions and not throw those picks, or he is going to be standing on the sidelines with Kevin Stefanski, whether or not his ribs feel good. Now, now before I let you go here, I I do want to ask you about Kevin Stefanski as well. And it it was brought up in in our chat here, um, you know, today, this game offensively. And again, some of this can go to the fact that Pittsburgh's pass rush was just relentless today. Right. But it did feel like watching this game, we didn't see a number of the things that we've seen from this offense. I don't think we saw, and, and I'll have a better idea of this when I kind of go back and, and look at it again, but I, I didn't feel like we saw a lot of the bootlegs. Um, in fact, one of their best plays actually came on a bootleg early in the game, and I thought, okay, maybe they're getting into this now, and, and they're going to get going a little bit when they were down 10 nothing. Um, but we, we didn't see a lot of the things that have made this offense – really click. Uh, I, I think this was probably honestly the first game where we're, we're going to be able to sit there and point out some mistakes Kevin Stefanski made where, okay, you're a rookie head coach. You made some mistakes. You got to learn from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the, the way they, they really kind of called this game. And I mean, a lot of deep drops for Baker, which I didn't really understand. I, I just, I don't know. It was hard for me to really get behind what I was seeing from this game plan. And then on top of all that, Pittsburgh was just kind of blowing everything up. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to game plan for a team that you know they're going to take away your run and they're going to take away your bootlegs and your rollouts. It's really hard to do that. This is a defense that does so many things well uh, that it's very difficult to try to figure out what you're going to be able to do against them. Uh, but you're right. I think Kevin Stefanski is kind of kicking himself today for, um, you know, for the game that he called and for the game plan that they came in with, because it just, it wasn't effective. And, um, you know, I expected to see some more, um, you know, I thought we would might see some more reverses and some trick plays and some different things. I think they went, tried to go like basic and just do a few things well, but you know, they run a lot off of, you know, out of play action and, and the run game is, you know, it starts from there. And uh, once they took that away, it just made, made for tough sledding. I mean, Kareem Hunt's longest run of the day was 10 yards. Okay. This is the number two run defense in the NFL and they are legit. And, you know, that just kind of threw everything into turmoil. And then, uh, you know, again, you can recover from a lot of things, but you can't recover from two interceptions in the first half of a game. I mean, you're, very rarely are you going to do that. And so I, I think um, they're going to have to do a little bit of soul searching. And uh, as Doug has been pointing out on all these interviews, you know, they, they came out after the Baltimore blowout and they won four games after that. And so they're going to have to dig down deep and, and find a way uh, to, to find it within themselves to do the same thing. They're going to Cincinnati. Baker's supposed to start. Um, we'll see that, how that goes. But uh, they played the Colts tough today, the Bengals did. So, you know, there's, there are no pushovers in the AFC North. All right. Uh, we're going to let you go. You mentioned Doug, and, and Doug is sitting in here somewhere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him in. Uh, we'll let you get to work over there. Oh, there he is. We'll get you, let you get to work over there in, uh, in Pittsburgh, Mary Kay. And I'm sure I will talk to you later. Okay, sounds good. Thanks a lot. Before we get back to the pod, I want to tell you to join Terry Pluto at our Medicare Guide webinar on October 22nd at 2 p.m. 
The webinar is presented by Cleveland.com and Medical Mutual and will help simplify the complex process of finding the right Medicare plan for your needs. Terry, together with our experts from Medical Mutual, Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging, and Discount Drug Mart, will guide you through the process and answer your most pressing questions. Go to our Cleveland.com Facebook channel and click on the Medicare event for more details and registration. The Browns, of course, 38-7 to losers to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are now 5-0. and uh, The Browns dropped to 4-2, and which, look, if we're being honest, dropping to 4-2 and isn't so bad um, when you really think about it. And, and we know how some of these games have gone against Pittsburgh and, and what they've meant for this football team, um, you know, when they've lost games like this. Uh, but, you know, you can still, I think, feel pretty good about where this team is at overall and uh, also acknowledge that I think we've definitely discovered today that they are not uh, on the Steelers level. And for the Steelers, Mary Kay mentioned it. And this was a team that came in. They had more wins uh, than their opponents combined coming into this game. And Pittsburgh certainly sent a message today that uh, those wins were as legit as they come. All right, Doug is here. Uh, Scott Patsko is here. Uh, we, of course, welcome all of you to participate as well. You can use the raise hand function. Uh, if you click on participants, it should bring up a panel to the right uh, that allows you to raise your hand if you're on your phone. Uh, same kind of deal. You can raise your hand. Uh, I believe you use the participants button or use the three dots down on the bottom right um, of the screen. All right, Doug, you, you've been kind of sitting here listening. Uh, let, let's get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I wanted to get in because I, I just I wanted to hear what, how you and Mary Kay were talking about this so I could react to it. So um I'm, I'm curious to see what this post-game podcast is like because I, I'm not here to fight, but I'm here to point some things out. One is six of the eight people at cleveland.com picked the Browns to win today. And Scott and I are the two that picked them to lose. And I think people who picked the Browns to win this game were crazy. And a couple of weeks ago when Nick Chubb got hurt, people on this podcast in the, during the week in this podcast talked about how they'd be fine with Ernest Johnson. Ernest Johnson is not an NFL running back. They miss Nick Chubb a lot. And anybody who thought they wouldn't miss Nick Chubb was crazy. So I'm, I think a lot of the analysis in this game and you and Mary Kay, I thought were very on point with all the stuff you said post game but I was very curious to see I think how people viewed this game going in I wanted to see if that affected how they view coming out of it because a week ago when they were four and one everybody on this podcast was talking about how they're going to the playoffs I thought they were going to the playoffs and I thought they'd get their butts kicked in Pittsburgh so this changes zero about what I thought of the Browns so I'm very curious if people all of a sudden feel like oh now it's going to be a tight playoff. Did you, you thought they were going to go to Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh's undefeated. All Tony Romo did in the whole broadcast was talk about how they look like a Super Bowl team. This is the most logical loss in the world. They're not ready to play at this level against a complete team. I thought Kevin Stefanski had a bad game, and I think it means practically nothing for the next six games because they have six in a row before they face the Ravens or the Steelers again. And I'm like punting this one just like we all should have punted the first week against Baltimore and then they won four in a row. Okay, Scott, we'll, we'll bring you in. I, I will say this, the one thing that I, that worries, I don't want to say worries me because I'm honestly not worried after this loss, uh, but I will say it was disconcerting, not that they lost necessarily, but that Pittsburgh really did just dominate this game from minute one to minute 60. And, and I thought that was the most concerning part. Scott, as Doug mentioned, you were the other one that, that picked the Browns to lose this game. What, what did you think? You know, I, and I wrote about this after the game. It was really eerie. The first half was almost exactly like the first half against the Ravens. Uh, the way the Browns came out, <clears throat> hardly any play action uh, on the first couple of drives. We saw a lot of empty backfield. We saw turnovers, two turnovers in the second, first half, just like in week one. They go down 10 nothing, just like in week one. And the halftime score was pretty much exactly the same. You know, the only difference was they made their extra point the Browns did when they when they scored so it was kind of a recap of that and uh we had talked uh, earlier this week on gotta watch the tape about what are the Browns going to do and I pointed to what they did against the Ravens and it seemed like initially that was kind of the plan and again it didn't work so I think Doug's right in that you shouldn't put a, a lot of weight on this loss the Browns I think still have uh very winnable games ahead of them but when they play the Ravens and Steelers again I guess I guess the positive is they know what doesn't work now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they could have Teller back for that game. Maybe they have Nick Chubb back for that game, stuff like that. But I think more than the people who are playing in the game, they clearly have to come up with a different way to, 
to deal with both those teams because they, they really failed at it. But I'll say this. This is the key difference to me in that Ravens game. Um, when, when you look at what happened in that game and what happened in this game. In the Ravens game, the Browns were in that game in the second quarter. And Odell Beckham had that drop on third down. And then Austin Seibert misses the, the field goal. And the Browns were actually in that football game. And then Baltimore really kind of took over. And, and they scored late in the half. And, and then they, they took over in the second half. Uh, to me, Pittsburgh just, like I said, they just dominated this from the minute they stepped on the field until they stepped off the field with, you know, of course, Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. Um, you know, look, the Steelers are really good. I, I think we certainly understand that completely now. Like I said, the, the big question for them was they hadn't really played anyone. And I think the Browns are the best team they've played so far, and they absolutely smoked them. And I, I think it's fair to say that the Steelers are legitimate AFC contenders now, not just AFC North contenders, AFC contenders. And uh, they proved it today and they showed the Browns that they have a ways to go. And I guess we'll measure this thing again at the end of January or at the, uh, the beginning of January when these two teams finish the season off against each other, assuming, you know, that, that both teams still have something to play for then. Yeah, I, I think, I think Kevin Stefanski believes that his offense works against mediocre defenses and okay defenses. I'm not sure that he believes it works against great defenses. I think he's afraid to do some of the play action stuff against a great pass rush. I don't know. The, the other difference in this game is the, the Browns offensive line got dominated from the get-go from snap one and missing Wyatt Teller is probably part of that, but they just had matchups across the board that they just, the Browns couldn't block anybody. An offensive line that has been very good and a key to the success could not block anybody. But that Kevin Stefanski, at least early in these two games, has sort of gone away from what he wants to do. It shows me he doesn't think what he wants to do will work. And so I, some of the you know, smart fans and smart readers and listeners to this podcast are pointing out the second time around against both these teams will really tell a lot because Stefanski has the chance to adjust. He's seen it up close and personal now. I thought, I mean, Mary Kay was talking about how they didn't run a lot of the reverses. They tried to run a reverse like in the third quarter, maybe kind of late, they didn't, or they faked a reverse. Anyway, they left Bud Dupree unblocked and Baker got tracked down for like a 10 yard loss. And it was like the exact wrong call at the exact wrong time executed as poorly as it could be executed. And it felt like a first year play caller, first year head coach here reaching for things because he didn't know what to do. And I don't think Kevin Stefanski knew what to do today. And, and that's okay. I bet you he'll know what to do against the Bengals next week. I'm surprised we didn't see more rollouts too. I counted two while I was charting that. Uh, one was the first down throw to Harrison Bryant. The other was that big 36 yarder to Austin Hooper where he was wide open and Baker really didn't get to roll out all the way. He had to stop. I think it was uh, Watt kind of had pressure on the outside. So he just stopped and, you know, Hooper was out. We really didn't see that. I mean, Baker's got the most time to throw of any quarterback in the NFL this year. And a lot of that has to do with all those rollouts and, and he's really good at it. Um, but that didn't happen today. And, you know, the Steelers were disciplined on the outside when Baker did move the whole, you know, the whole line was kind of moving with him. They did that, that kind of student body, right, student body left and the quarterbacks rolling with them. So it's, it was just, wasn't the same Browns team we've seen the last four weeks. And Kevin Stefanski did say post game that the, the Steelers were playing wider, right? They're trying to take some of that away. And then the offensive line did not play at a level and you didn't have Nick Chubb to kind of make them pay for that in the run game. And I think obviously it's like, okay, well, they're going to try to take this away. And then the Browns couldn't counter that because they didn't have the horses to do it. Right. And, and I thought for Stefanski, you know, Mary Kay and I talked about this a little bit, Scott, like you said, there just wasn't a lot of the stuff that we, we know this offense to be. And like I, I mentioned this, the deep drops, I, I didn't completely get why that, why they were going with that strategy, kind of knowing Baker wasn't 100% um, and, and a lot of that stuff. I want to bring in our first, uh, our first, watcher here uh, as Ellis just jumped in as well so I'll bring him in but first I'm going to go to Tyson uh, I asked you to unmute there Tyson if you see that go uh, ahead hey um well I'm looking at the Browns schedule I got two two questions first um I think besides the Steelers and Ravens hopefully not many teams on their schedule can play the Browns like this one thing so I still think it's still a great season as Doug is saying the other thing is to how much of the run game struggles are due to not having Wyatt Teller? I, I mean, I think it's, it's huge when you have Wyatt Teller out leading the way instead of Chris Hubbard, 
it, it certainly makes a difference. Um, I, I don't know how much of a difference it would have made today necessarily. I, I just don't know with, with this front, but um, yeah, I mean, you're going to miss Wyatt Teller. He was playing at a Pro Bowl level. I mean, Scott and on got to watch the tape earlier in the year was making a case of like Wyatt, why Wyatt Teller is one of the most valuable players on this team. When the Browns were running the ball early in the season, who would you have said are like the two most valuable people in the Browns run game? Would you have said Wyatt Teller and Nick Chubb? I mean, I think again, I don't think they, I don't think if Wyatt Teller plays today, they win, but I think you're noticed. You'd certainly notice that he wasn't there. I mean, Chris Hubbard played well in, 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 in place of uh, Jack Conklin when uh, he was in earlier this season today, that didn't, didn't really happen, but I don't think you throw this all on Chris Hubbard. Um, you know, your tackles are having issues today as well. Uh, but yeah, having Teller uh, in blocking, um, you know, the run game probably produces a little more, but I don't think it produces enough to take the heat off, uh, off of Baker for the whole game. Like, like he felt today. And JC Treader and Joel Petonio had issues at times today too. Yeah, it definitely looked like it. And, and listen, it's going to be different when you're Chris Hubbard and you come in at the end of the first quarter, as opposed to when you're Chris Hubbard and everybody knows you're starting on Monday. Uh, you know, team's going to game plan differently for you. And it's also going to be different when you start against the Bengals as opposed to starting against the Steelers. Uh, Ellis, welcome aboard. What were your so thoughts bad. on that? What were your thoughts on this one? Oh, man. Well, to avoid saying it was over as soon as Baker threw that interception, um, I thought, well, well, then we'll jump to the postgame. Um, Kevin Spancy said two really interesting things. Uh, the first being, quote, we aren't built to turn it over. I thought that was really telling. Says um, exactly what he thinks about his offense, uh, his quarterback, and the way they need to play. And then Spancy, uh, you know, the entire postgame was really um, taking this loss upon himself saying, quote, I got to do a better job of protecting him, him being Baker Mayfield. My counter to that would be Baker's got to do a better job of protecting the ball. They, they go hand in hand. So um, it, it's the turnover game. It, this team has been successful at causing turnovers, uh, and they didn't cause any today, turned it over twice, and it, it feels like the Ravens all over again, except two times is a trend. You can't just throw this tape out, and both of these teams are in their division. So it's a it's a, it's a tough one and a lot to watch when we go back and watch the tape where the offensive line had problems, uh, Baker's specific issues. He just, I mean, it was 2019 Baker, scattered feet, a lack of confidence, no idea what he was seeing. Um, you felt bad for him out there, if I'm going to be honest. Why'd you pick the Browns to win, Ellis? <laughs> you really want me to get into that on here? <laughs> Is it because everybody was mean to us on social media when we picked them to lose to Dallas? Here's the thing. Uh, I mean, listen, listen, everybody was buying, everybody's buying. And I just can't live in a world where everybody's buying going into this game. And now the sky has fallen. Listen, yeah. Baker threw the exact same pick. He's thrown a million times. He threw the exact pick that you talked about all on got to watch the tape on Friday, that exact kind of coverage that we spent 30 minutes on man coverage right. with some help. He doesn't see the guy. He throws it right to the guy, but you know, you just, he's got to get better at that. I'm not going to give up on him six games into the Stefanski era that he can't get better at that. So, uh, you know, the Ravens and Steelers are awesome. I just don't think – I think a lot of the other teams on their schedule aren't going to do this to them. Yeah, let me, let me answer why I, I pick them um, with what I can put on the podcast here. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> I'll say this. I expect a lot more out of Kevin Stefanski today as in – I thought we would just see a different incarnation of the, the, the Browns offense. I, I, I wrote it in our little short blurb. Uh, Kevin Stefanski will evolve again on Sunday. And it, it was, it, he played the game, the exact game Pittsburgh thought he would. I didn't, I thought we'd see more perimeter runs, some creativity. Um, and there, there was none of it. And I don't know how much we can put on just that first interception. And then they're down 10 zero. Uh, I, I thought he'd take another step. And then, and then quite frankly, I had just had a little more faith in Baker. Again, it goes to that first interception, but you just said it, Doug. When the game is that early, you know your game plan. You have to be ready for what the Steelers are going to do. And he, Baker said it after the game, that Mika Fitzpatrick, they like to put him around the ball. And if you know these things, how are you not ready for it in the first, you know, 10 snaps of a football game, if not less? So those two things I, I, were, I was not expecting. I, I thought this offense would continue to take a step forward, and, and they took one back today. 
So, yeah, I mean, look, that's an interesting question. Why, why did we pick the Browns to win this game? Uh, you know, I, I think somebody on, I did see somebody on Twitter throw out the, oh, they got bullied into doing it because they picked the Cowboys. Look, I legitimately thought this was going to be a close game. And I thought the Browns oh, yeah. would win it. I mean, we're talking about a Steelers team that beat an awful Giants team by 10, 26, 16. They beat the Broncos by five in the, in the game. The Broncos lost Drew Locke. I mean, that was Jeff Driscoll. Uh, they almost gave up a huge lead to the Texans. Actually, I, I'm trying to remember how that Texans game played out, but they didn't look great against the Texans, and the Texans are awful. They lost again today. They almost blew a huge lead to the Eagles, who are awful. Uh, I mean, we didn't know who the Steelers were, to be completely honest with you, until we really saw it today. And quite frankly, this game was, by all accounts for the Browns, you lost 38-7 to and got dominated start to finish. This wasn't like just a typical, ah, they lost by a couple touchdowns. I mean, they got, we hear the term boat raced a lot of times. They, that's what happened today. They got boat raced. They looked worse than, I mean, they looked worse in this game than the Giants looked against the Steelers or the Jeff Driscoll Broncos looked against the Steelers or the one win Eagles looked against the Steelers. This was, and I, I don't think the sky's falling. Like I said, this team's, this team's still going to make the playoffs. I truly believe that. I, I just expected a closer, better performance from the Browns and a, and a better performance all around coaching quarterback, all of that. And honestly, I, I mean, I think I just made the mistake of not accounting for Baker's injury. You know, I kind of just figured if they're willing to put him out there, he's going to be able to, to give them enough to win this game if they can keep it close. To be fair, I think I looked it up on pro football reference. These are the two biggest blowouts in the NFL this year. These are the only two games where a team lost by 30 is the Browns to the Ravens and the Browns to the Steelers. So they get blown out better than anybody. <laughs> And let's remember that was a really packed uh, um, injury report this week for the Browns too. It wasn't just Baker. Uh, You had uh, a lot of guys who were listed as questionable, a lot of guys who either didn't practice or, or were limited all week. Um, That's kind of what led me to, to, to go against them. I I just didn't see them going to Pittsburgh with a team that wasn't at full strength with a quarterback who has sore ribs uh, and beating the Steelers. All right, let's bring in uh, Steven. Uh, I'm going to hit you. Uh, I'm going to hit the unmute here. And when you see that prompt, go ahead and unmute and you can go ahead. Hey, yeah. Thanks for taking my question. Um, so the question I got is it was kind of clear that Pittsburgh saw um, play action downs and were sending the house on them and then also sending a, you know, a backer straight to Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm assuming then you're going to see a lot of teams kind of do the same thing. I know no, other teams don't have the same talent, but um, they're going to try to go with that strategy. Um, so do you, how do you see the Browns adjusting that in the future? Do you see them, you know, on second and three inside the 50, trying to stick to the run a little bit more, um, or do they screen out of it? Or I guess what's the game plan to try to defeat that? Cause it's clear they didn't have answers on it. Austin Hooper doesn't want to see any more screen plays <laughs> after today. I mean, to some degree, and again, I'm, we'll keep promoting the got to watch the tape podcast because we want people to listen <laughs> to it and it's new. I mean, Ellis, Ellis talked about this on Friday that Ellis, did you feel like what you saw in the second half against Indy, the way Indianapolis played Baker in the second half, you saw some of that with what the Steelers did today or did the Steelers even do more to him? Yeah, it was a complete continuation. And I think the play that you can look to on that is um, Baker took a sack um, near their own end zone. It was a play that was supposed to be set up for a Kareem Hunt screen. Uh, they faked out like an Odell reverse, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and Kareem would have been, I mean, he could have scored. There was no one in, in front of him, but the reason no one was there is because everyone was in the backfield on Baker. So um, the, the tape is out on the Browns. Uh, they're, they're one-dimensional. They, um, like that insider just explained, they need to, on play action downs, on second down and third and short, they're running play action. And you're just, they're just going to attack the quarterback. They do not give a rip uh, if, you, if they're going to hand it off because they know that's not what they're going to do. It's going to be a quarterback keeper. And the plan was to hit Baker today. It was a complete continuation from the Colts. And you're right, Doug, they just, the Steelers built upon that. And they looked even faster than Indy did last week. And I do think part of the Nick Chubb stuff is not just the stats, is not just the how many yards per carry to the Browns average, but it's just a, he's a guy that defenses have to account for. 
And if in a game plan and on a snap, you don't have to worry about that guy that, hey, if we sell out to get Baker and they run something with Nick Chubb, he's going to make us pay. I know Kareem Hunt is good, but Ellis has been worried for two weeks that they're going to overuse Kareem Hunt. We know he really may not be 100% himself when the line isn't blocking well. This has to be a run first team. Baker, I think, can be good when they are a run first team and he's playing off of something. If you're not scared of the Browns run and now it's and now you just sell out to get Baker, that's when they're in trouble. I mean, you mentioned it, the, where they really miss him is now Kareem Hunt's not your number two, it's Dearness Johnson, <laughs> you know, right. and, and yep. you said it. I mean, Dearness Johnson is a borderline NFL running back. He had a great game against Dallas, but everybody does. Go ahead, Ellis. I just want to answer the second part of that, that question. What is the counter here? Um, the, the counter is you can go empty more. You, you saw them try to go empty today, which it didn't, they didn't have much success you're putting more pressure on Baker Mayfield then to uh, hit more in his the quick game. Uh, we're talking quick ins from a tight end, uh, Kareem Hunt coming under Jarvis inside, or you're right, swing passes outside, get outside of the blitz. Um, but you can tell that the Browns weren't ready for a complete um, all-out blitz scenarios. I think they expected the edges to be contained, but they weren't ready for uh, those all-out blitzes. And I, we're going to have to study the teams coming up on the schedule to see if they have that type of blitz tendency. But when teams are all out blitzing like that and, and you don't have a counter punch, it, it shows right away. And, and that's what happened today. And it feels like Baker gets trapped in a vicious cycle when he makes a mistake early. So he's trying to make a quick throw early. He gets pick six. Right. Exactly. Now you've got to get, now they're blitzing you. Now you got to make a quick read, get the ball out of your hands. And now he's hesitant because he made a mistake that cost him a touchdown. And now he's trapped in the vortex. So this is where you have to lean on Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and Case Keenum this week with Baker Mayfield. Listen, man, he's still a work in progress. He really is. And, and at some point you stop making excuses, but it's year one with this staff. They've got to get him in there. They've got to help him through these coverages that he's going to see all the time, these robber coverages where people are just going to sit on him and he doesn't see these defenders. They've got to work him through it and allow him to make a mistake but not lose all his confidence. The mistake is the problem, right? I mean, Kevin Stefanski says we can't make those turnovers. But I think the bigger issue is the aftermath of the mistake. Well, now he won't let it go. And now if a team's coming after you, now you're dead because you've lost your confidence because of the one mistake you made early. Ellis mentioned blitzing. Nobody blitzes as much as the Steelers and Ravens. They're one and two uh, in the league, 48% for the Steelers, 45 for the Ravens. And looking through the list here, I think the Texans are the next highest among the Browns upcoming opponents. And they're only at 33%. Um, so they're about 10th, 11th. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're not going to see a lot of defenses like they've seen in the Steelers and the Ravens. And really it isn't so much blitzing Baker Mayfield to, to make him do bad things he's completing the same amount of passes or at least same percentage when you blitz him as when you don't it's obviously getting pressure on him which any quarterback you get pressure on it's gonna it's gonna do the trick right and, and baker coming into this game his rating was something like 30 uh when he when he was under pressure so it, it's something he hasn't been handling well i mean look the good news is you know you, you get the Bengals next week who got off to a great start against the colts but then end up losing that game and that defense is not you know gonna shut you down you know, the Raiders obviously had an impressive win. We'll see what they are, but just take them out of the equation for now. The, the Texans are struggling on defense. The Eagles are giving up points. The Jaguars. I mean, you've got some games coming up before you have to go to Tennessee on December 6th uh, that, that you can write this ship, you know, pretty quickly. And, and then before you have to play the Ravens on, you know, you got the Titans on the 6th and then you turn around and play the Ravens uh, the next Monday night. That's really kind of the next big test for this team, assuming that they kind of bounce back and rate this ship against the teams that they should be able to do that against. Can I be a jerk? Of course. In fact, I want a segment. I need like a, some music or something. Yeah. yeah. Ask my wife if I can be a jerk. I'm <laughs> going to push back against the, uh, even the phrasing of right the ship. This is the season. You beat some good mediocre teams. A good team kicked your butt. I don't know that there's anything that needs to be righted. You're, you have a ship, somebody shot a cannonball at you and blew a hole in the side of your boat, but you're not sinking. You stay on track, you're four and two. And I don't, I don't they don't have to change anything. Just keep doing the thing. Now, now Ellis is doing his thing. Like, <laughs> but do the things. Now they gotta be able to run the ball. The offensive line has to play better, but they're, they're not gonna play defenses as good. Do, you already know how to beat mediocre teams. 
do those. Run it, protect Baker better, give him some throws to make. Ben, but don't break on defense. It's, it's not like we haven't seen it. A lot of times when they get blown out by good teams, they do have to right the ship because they stink. They don't stink. They're pretty good. They just got killed on the road by two very, very good teams. Yeah, by, by no means do they stink. But, Doug, as I said earlier, two, two games is a trend, and you said it. These are two of the, the two big, biggest blowouts in the NFL. And now teams, the entire NFL has learned two things about the Browns three really blitz baker mayfield especially you know as steven said on play action second down and short downs like that have a bunch of guys in the box confusing muddling the picture right where mega fitzpatrick was make baker beat you as a thrower because if you clutter the box like that you can stop the run and confuse his vision and then third and most importantly this team can't come back from behind so if i was an opposing coach and i won the toss against the browns I'd receive the ball. I wouldn't defer. I'd take the ball. Go up 7-0. And if I was the Browns, I would never defer again. I haven't been paying close enough attention to who's been starting with the ball. That's something we need to start watching. But I would take the ball every time with the Browns and start with the lead because it's it's clear this team is not built to come back. The fancy said it. We're not built to come back from turnovers. So I think listing this team is something that Kevin Smith is going to have to adjust to and learning how to play either to keep a lead or to play from behind. And that's the two biggest takeaways after these two blowouts. And that's what needs to change. And to Dan's point, riding the ship to become a more complete football team there. Yeah. I, I think that that's sort of the takeaway here is, you know, you aren't playing another team with the Steelers talent level in the near future, but there is a little bit of a, of a book out there on this team a little bit. And that's what right. the Browns have to figure out because the goal will be when you get to December, you know, you don't want to lose these games by 30 points on that Monday night. When you host Baltimore, you want to be competitive. You want to show them that, Hey, we've progressed from that week one when we didn't have an off season program and, and you guys were, you know, already Super Bowl contenders. You want to be in the same ballpark as them when you play them. And when you play the Steelers week 17, you want it to look better than it, than it did today. That's, that's ultimately the goal. No, it's mean, not. It's not the goal I to look better is. when you lose. The goal is to make the playoffs by winning games. If they go 10 and six and they lose to the Steelers and the Ravens four times by 30 points each, they're still 10 and six. This is not a Super Bowl year. This is an on the path year. So like, I get, I'll, I'll push back against that. Like I don't go beat the Bengals, go beat the Bengals, go beat the Jaguars, go beat the Texans, go beat a bunch of crappy teams and look up at the standings at the end of the year and see if you're one of the best teams in the AFC. And, and, and actually, I mean, it might be one of these, it might be a credit to them. They're so, maybe the truth is they really are substantially below the Ravens and the Steelers, but they're so smart and they play so tough and they're so connected that they're that much worse than the Steelers and the Ravens and they're going to make the playoffs anyway. What a great job they're doing. That might be the takeaway from this. It's a, this, is, this is a season on the way to something. So I don't know. I'm not hanging my hat on do they only lose to Pittsburgh by, by eight. I'm Go beat a bad team. It'll be fine. And hey, remember, next time you play the Steelers, you might see a bunch of backups because the Steelers are wrapped up the number one seed and, you know, it's Landry Jones all over again or <laughs> whatever the case is. And, and you win that game by, by a lot, and that really doesn't tell you anything because you really didn't beat the real Steelers. I just don't think it's asking too much to be competitive against the best teams in your division. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with Dan there because, Doug, I'll ask you this. You're, you're playing the future game. You're playing the long game, and I totally agree with it. I think this um, organi- or the, the, the foundation of Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are going to have, you know, some years to figure this out. But, Doug, I'll ask you this. At what point in their tenure do they need to win at Pittsburgh? You know, because eventually you become, you know, it was when you're the Ravens and you can't beat the Chiefs, perhaps that starts getting your, your head and whatnot. So at what point? Does Kevin Spancy and Andrew Barry need to, to, to win in, in Pittsburgh? I'll give you this year they, did, they, they weren't able to do it. Perhaps th- that changes in the playoffs. I don't know. But at some point, you, you got to win here. And to Dan's credit, being competitive here is a great start to eventually doing that. Today is a step back. Not year I got one. An answer for that. Do you have an answer for that, Doug? Yeah, my answer is not year one. It's year one. Doug always so has it's, an answer. It's not year yeah. one. Maybe it's year yeah, two, but it. right now it's year one. It's not year one. You, yeah, have to, you have to win in Pittsburgh when it's a playoff game in Pittsburgh. You just got to make the playoffs first. That's all. All right. Well, and I th- you know, again, I think the bigger point is 
I, I still think we all believe despite this loss, this team can't, I mean, I, I believe this team will make the playoffs. I, I think they can maybe, you know, it's, we're talking sixth or seventh seed, but again, if they lose by, if they lose to Baltimore on Monday night by 30 points at home, that's not good. That even if, whether it's year one or year eight or whatever, I, I just, you need to be competitive with teams. You, if you're a good football team, you don't get blown out by 30 points multiple times. And I think the Browns are better than a team that gets blown out by 30 points multiple times. I, no, Dan, I completely agree. You can't be, especially when you're a team that hasn't won anything, you can't be a turn it off, turn it on type of team. It, it's, again, two is a trend. And these are two blowout losses against divisional opponents. Uh, they're going to play them again, and that will tell the complete story. But coming in here, losing by, you know, 12, eight, one score is it, a completely different bus ride home back to Cleveland than what this was. I think the issue here is I think they can go 10 and six, losing every game to the Steelers and Ravens by 30. It sounds like you guys think they can't go 10 and six if they're going to continue because or are you, or are you making the point 10 and six with four 30 point losses is somehow not good. I don't think that's the argument you're making. I don't, they lost. It's only one loss. But the, the issue is, is what's happening now? Is it an indication that they're not going to win the other games against lesser teams that they need to win to make the playoffs? So I guess, I guess that's my issue. I think that's possible that they're at, they're right at a level where when they're playing a really good, well-coached, talented team with good quarterbacks and good defenses, ugh, they're not there yet, but everybody else. Hey man, they'll take their shot and they'll win more often than not. You're, thinking, you're debating whether 10 and six with four 30 point losses is actually kind of bad. I, look, 10 and six is great. If they go 10 and six, but I'm just saying, if they lose to the Steelers and Ravens each by 30 points, if they lose to the Titans by 20, 25, something like that. I mean, that's not, there's holes in that 10 and six. I, I so, know, the, I know the saying is the, you are what your record says you are. And I know Browns fans, beggars can't be choosers, right? This team hasn't won 10 games and, you know, you can combine years together and you're not going to get to 10 wins, but I, you know, we just did a whole series on why the Browns are different this year. Right. You know, after yeah. six games last year, they were two and four and they had a couple 30 point blowout losses and we felt totally different, even though they crushed the Ravens this year, they're four and two. And again, they've had a couple big losses. But the Browns are different this year because they could still make the playoffs and go 10 and six and lose to these teams. You know, last year they were just, you had to win every game over the, over the, over the last half of the season in order to have a shot at the playoffs. I think the Browns are in just a much better place, even with those big uh, losses to the Steelers and Ravens. It's just, it's a different scenario this year. They beat, yeah, Baltimore. And they beat 14 and two Baltimore last year. And it didn't actually tell you anything about what kind of team they were. So I just don't want yeah. to get hung up too much on these individual games. Yeah. And that's a good point, Doug. I, I guess the way I'm framing this would be, it would feel like a empty 10 and six. If, if they go on and lose another, you know, two more games to these teams and get, look, look, everything everyone just said about the, you know, Browns not ever even coming near 10 and six makes perfect sense. Um, I do not blame Browns fans for enjoying that. They should. It's just, if these teams are in your division, you know, it's a, it's a game and a half rather than just one loss. And when you're losing in that fashion, um, it, it can feel a bit empty, but you know, I'm, I'm not from around here, but I, I, I don't know what it's like to endure seasons like this. So if it's going to be 10 and six, this, this win loss that we're set on, I, I, by no means is it a bad season. Absolutely not. I'm not putting style points on 10 and six. So they could go 10 and six and lose the six by a hundred points each time. I'm going to worry about the 10. And if they were in the NFC East instead of the AFC North, and they were playing Washington, Philly, the giants and Dallas every week, they'd be the exact same team that they are. Yeah. But no, but no, no Eagles, Cowboys or giants fan is happy with their team this year or in years past. So I, I get that they get the one team from that division gets to make the playoffs. But when you're, if you were in a bad division, you don't feel good about your crappy wins. And if you're in a good division like this, you don't feel good about getting blown out by those good teams. So you're just kind of in a, in a, a muddled space there, which is why these, these, they cannot get blown out the next two times they play these teams. Then I'll feel a lot more passionately about that. There just was an empty, 
sort of season because you gotta you gotta win your division. That's how you build a roster. That's how you you build a team. You don't just enjoy beating up on the NFC East and crappy quarterbacks. It's about winning your division. No, it's not. It's about making Ooh. the playoffs. It's about making it's the, the playoffs for the team with by far the longest playoff drought in the league. It's a step, man. Listen, I, I, I'm not moving off this point, and I am excited to have podcasts for the next six weeks about it. Yeah. This is a part of a process. This team has been the one. Everybody else in the NFL exists in that muddled middle that Dan referenced. Every single team in the league. 31 teams have existed in that muddled middle. And the Browns have been on the outside looking in for two decades. Nobody else has been like that. So guess what? They're not on the outside looking in anymore. They're in the muddled mess. And sometimes in the muddled middle of the NFL, a really good team kicks your butt. But I'm not going to complain about it because I'm not. If I thought it indicated that they couldn't be good, and that they couldn't win the next couple games because every game tells you something about the next game. I do believe that. And it's fair to analyze that. Listen, Baker at some point has to stop throwing picks because he doesn't see a safety or a linebacker. They got to work on that. But in the meantime, man, four and two with some winnable games ahead, I am not going to get tied up in this loss. Doug, I completely, I, sorry, sorry, Dan. Go ahead, I completely agree with the process and that this, this regime, I've said it, they're going to get two, three years to figure this out, and I'm confident they will. My point is that in, in any given season and in the concept, I'm a firm believer in the concept of overall team building, you build to win your division. You don't just cross your fingers and hope you play a crappy NFC division each year and then you can win that way. You build to win your division, and right now it's two blowout losses, and the next two will, will tell a lot more about the Brown season as we look forward to Stefanski's year two and year three. Here, here's here's the point I was going to make. Um, I, I think it's it's again. I keep going back to this. We're not putting too much weight on this loss because I think again, all of us have said right. we believe this team can make the playoffs. Also, coming into this season, you know, I did believe the Browns were probably the third best team in this division, depending on how Ben Roethlisberger looked. If he would have looked like he was sixty years old, then maybe that changes. He obviously doesn't, and the Steelers look like Super Bowl contenders. The point I'm making isn't necessarily that if they go 10 and six and I'm covering a playoff game in January in Kansas city, I'm not going to be upset about that. (laughs) But if they go 10 and six and they play Baltimore a second time, and it looks exactly like the first time that's concerning. I want to see some progress when they play Pittsburgh at the end of the season, assuming those teams are playing for something and it's not case Keenum versus Mason Rudolph. Uh, you know, I want, I just want to see progress that that's really the bigger point I'm making. I just want to be able to look at the second time against Baltimore and say, okay, the Browns were better in this game. They didn't get dominated. They adjusted. They've grown since week one, same with Pittsburgh. Okay. The Browns didn't get dominated for 60 minutes. They actually looked like they belong in the same stadium as the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the sign of progress. So when we talk about the process and we talk about, Okay, maybe they're not ready to win the North this year, but going 10 and six and making the playoffs is a good step in that process. I also think you can look at it at an even closer level and say, okay, the last time they played the Steelers, the Steelers just, I mean, they didn't just beat them. They dominated from the minute they stepped on the field until the minute Mason Rudolph took the last knee. And the second time they played them in a game that hopefully means something, the Browns are really competitive and they were right there. Who knows, maybe they win the game. I, those are the little signs of progress I think I think you want to see. So t- 10 and 6 would be awesome. But I also want to see progress the second time you play a team. And, and that's, you know, and I'm not saying that's not going to happen. But those are the little things I think we look for as we, as we go along. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes sense. I could just keep saying the same thing I've said already 15 times. I'm not moving off this. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, this is going to be great. I am staunchly on the firm of get 10 wins, however it looks. And I am happy to debate that for the next two months. And, and, I, I, and I don't think that's, I don't think it's an either or. I, I think all of us, if this team wins 10 games, we'll call that a victory. But I also think you have to always look at it in context and always look at it in, okay, you're still chasing these two teams in your division. Again, unless Ben Roethlisberger, just his arm falls off this year, which that could happen. Maybe the Steelers only have like two years. 
you know, as we go through the long game here of building the roster and building out this process and, and putting this full team together, you're still going to be comparing yourself with where you are to the Steelers and the Ravens. And the way you do that is when you play those teams. I mean, what do you, what do you want me to say? That's a great uh, offseason goal. Go yeah. 10 and six, make the playoffs and in the offseason, figure out how to beat the Ravens and the Steelers. I am not, I am not obsessing about it this year. They are really good. They are both really good. Are the Ravens and Steelers two of the five best teams in the NFL? I'll say that right now. I don't, I don't know who else is good. I think they are. So, you know, I get it. And guess who really wanted to beat the Browns today? Guess who really wanted to beat the Browns today with all this Miles Garrett stuff? You think we only thought the Browns were going to be motivated today? You know who really wanted to show that the Browns really quite weren't quite as good as some people thought? that six of the eight people at cleveland.com picked the Browns to win this game. You know who wanted to prove that Pittsburgh. So they proved it. And it's All right, we got a We got a hand up here and then we're going to put the wraps on this thing. We're going to go to Hayden. I'm going to ask you to unmute. And once you do that, you're set. Hey, what's up? Um, I know this is kind of completely off topic, but what is the string on Baker? I know he was really hurt. I know we weren't full. I know he played a good team, but. He is turning the ball over really not in a good way like he was last year. I don't know. I know we got Case Keenum, but I'm just interested to hear what you guys got to say. Well, he had gone, what, two games without a pick, and then there was last week, but they won. You know, they've won four games in a row. I don't think they're at a point where they're thinking about sitting Baker. I think today had everything to do with his ribs, and like Stefanski said after the game, if he's healthy, he's starting – next week i are we at, are we are we at a point where we're talking about case keenan versus baker mayfield i hope not no i, I don't think we are and unless we're talking injury you know if baker's just not healthy enough to go obviously then you know you, you debate whether you should sit him for a week and, and maybe go with case but no i don't think performance wise we're talking going with case keenan over baker mayfield and i've kind of said this i think fans have overrated case a little bit uh, because they remember him going to that NFC championship game. But I like to remind people what happened to him after he went to the NFC championship game. He did not get paid by the team he took there. So, you know, Case Keenum is a nice quarterback. He's a good asset to have, but look, part of, again, going back to that process, you're trying to figure out how Baker Mayfield fits in this offense and, and what you have in, in him with, with Kevin Stefanski as his head coach. So I, I think there's still a long leash on him. Yeah, so ideally, the Browns organization, I'm sure, would love to play Baker all 16, perhaps 17 games, whatever, playoff games, and then evaluate where they're at with him as a quarterback in this offense, as Dan said. However, Hayden's right. He keeps turning the ball over. So I'll say that that first half in Cincinnati is going to be absolutely pivotal. Uh, these things get taken care of very quickly. If Baker, you know, goes out and throws for 250 yards, 300 yards, and the Browns win a nice, clean game in Cincinnati, then we're not having this conversation. But if he throws one or two turnovers in the first half against the Bengals, and all of a sudden Case Keenum's coming in, I don't know who would be surprised by that. So I would be. You would be really. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be because at, at some point you have to. You're going to lose your locker room. These these veterans know who should be playing, and they know when people are using their reputation, their draft stock and taking snaps they haven't earned anymore. So I would just, Kevin Stefanski has got to really be careful here. Um, being a first year head coach, of course he wants to avoid a, a quarterback controversy like any coach does. That's why I started this by saying they'd love to have them start every 16 games and then they can evaluate the position, but coming off the past uh, really six quarters Baker's played uh, it's, it's these next two, you know, to go for a full eight are going to be absolutely pivotal. And if they're, we see one or two picks and it's the Bengals have a lead or something. I, I just, it, you really have to start thinking long-term about your locker room when you have a quarterback that is playing in at times like a, a deer staring headlights. He, he just doesn't know where he's throwing. He, he didn't look like that today, but the Bengals don't have the Steelers defense. So this probably won't be an issue, but to answer Hayden's question that I think the leash is, shorter in the first half and then it's going to go back to we're not talking about this assuming all things go well that's what I, you think I, I think should. i think hayden and ellis might have just added another hour to this podcast now here's here's what we can't do i'm serious about this 
we can't be first on this. This is this is toxic. We can't be playing the is Baker going to get yanked game if we have no indication. Ellis, do you think that's what Kevin Stefanski would actually do, or do you think that's what you would do? Oh man, because all question. that matters think, is what I Kevin Stefanski is going to do. Yeah, and I well, I think a smart coach would think about his locker room first and not worry about a quarterback controversy or what anyone in uh, on this podcast is saying or what anyone's saying on Twitter. You have to play the player that gives your team the best chance to win or all the momentum you've built in these first five games get, get thrown out the window. So I, I think Kevin Spancy would, would make a decision that would put his team in the best situation to win. And I'll say this, if he pulls them in Cincinnati – it's not necessarily that Baker lost his job. I, he probably should have pulled Baker earlier today in the way a hockey goalie just gets pulled because they don't have it that day. It doesn't mean they lost their job. It's just you got to switch it up to protect them. So I understand the point about avoiding a controversy and not moving on from Baker. But that first half in Cincinnati is going to be absolutely pivotal. He needs, to, he needs to play well. He needs to start looking like Baker from the uh, first half of the Colts game and not this Baker we've seen in the past six quarters. Yeah, I completely disagree. I think this is dangerous territory. This is, we have zero indication from Kevin Stefanski that he's thinking that way at all. And the idea of like, you pull a quarterback, like you pull a goalie because he doesn't have it that day. If he gets pulled, this city, this media contingent, are you joking? It's the city catches on fire. The minute they have any kind of quarterback controversy, he knows that Andrew Barry knows that. Yes, it's about right now, but it's not only about drive to drive in the Cincinnati game. And for, we cannot, I mean, this, this is toxic. This is toxic Browns world where a quarterback has a couple bad games. That pick he threw in the first half, the first pick he threw, he, can, he has to stop throwing that pick at some point. He has to stop throwing that pick. The second pick, I think you could, he's trying to make a play there down. He was under a huge rush. It's not good, but the first one, it will kill you. It will kill you. But I don't think Kevin Stefanski in year one, when this guy's had four different, three different play callers, whatever it's been since he got to Cleveland. I don't think like seven games into the Stefanski Baker Mayfield relationship is the time when you start thinking that way. And I just, I don't think we have any indication that he is thinking that way. Yeah. I'm not saying I, I, I do. I'm just, being clear, I'm obviously not from around here, and neither is Kevin Stefanski. But you work here think, now. You work here I now. I know. I, that's, but that's what I'm saying. That's why I, I don't think, as an outsider, you worry about what anyone says about it. Your job is to win football games and put the player out there that your locker room and then the team gives the best chance to win. And if it's not Baker Mayfield, then you, you don't treat him like the first overall pick. You treat him like a football player. That's how players in locker rooms, winning locker rooms are treated. They're treated as the player they are, not the player they were. That's why I don't, I don't think it's that huge of a controversy if something gets it's changed up or he's playing with fire. You just have to make the decision that's best for your football team. And if he continues on the six-quarter streak and makes it eight, uh, you're wasting time. It's a, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I, th I think I, I – I mean, I got to side with Doug on this one. I, I think you have to be – I think you have to approach this very cautiously with Baker. Um, you know, obviously, if he is just outright a disaster and losing you games – maybe you, you start to reconsider, but that just hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah. I mean, they won four games in a row with Baker, not necessarily playing at his best in all of those games. And he should be able to go to Cincinnati and play better um, than he did today. I, I do think you approach, it's just that starting quarterback position. You always have to approach it really carefully. Um, and I, I mean, I'll also say this, Kevin Stefanski, if there's one thing we learned about him, He's, he's going to be steadfast. He's not going to make knee-jerk decisions. And, you know, if he ever does make that decision at some point this season, we're going to know it's, it's, a, it's an informed decision with the best interest of the team long-term in mind. But I do think um, a big part of this season, kind of going back to what he's, you were saying about the, you know, you complain about 10 and 6 or not, Doug, a, a part of this season is figuring out exactly who Baker Mayfield is in this offense and, and having as good an idea as you can after year three of who Baker Mayfield is. For sure. And we're six games in. Uh, yeah, I'll say this. All a coach has, especially a first-year head coach, is their word. And you have to have that inside a locker room. These are professional football players. They know who should be out there and who shouldn't. And if Kevin's fancy is treating one guy different than the rest of the room, it, it's not going to work in there. And to I think that's just as important, if not more important, than wondering – about Baker's psyche and if 
he's going to, you know, we're going to lose him if you bench him. You got to worry about all 53 guys, not just prioritize one. All right. Well, this was fun. <laughs> See what happens when they lose, when they were winning, everybody was happy. <laughs> the post-game pod just sailed along. And now you can't even say right the ship without some jerk jumping down. Your- <sighs> uh, no, really, it was fun. I hope all of you uh, out there listening on the Zoom and watching on the Zoom enjoyed it. And those of you listening in podcast land, uh, enjoy it as well. Uh, if you aren't a football insider subscriber and you want to get involved in this postgame show, all you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page. And as usual, we will have uh, all sorts of orange and brown talk activity on that podcast feed uh, coming up this week, the daily pod, got to watch the tape, uh, all sorts of good stuff. And of course, our Friday picks pod, which we need to get Doug back on uh, as well. Doug, you were still talking trash on our Friday picks pod. Uh, through your email. So I, I was proud of you for that. <laughs> I was terrible this week, but yeah. I will talk trash whether I'm right or wrong. Perfect. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks to our football insiders for being subscribers for everyone. Ellis, Scott, Mary Kay, Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Guys.